When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Misunderstood. I hope you guys are having a great Thanksgiving holiday. So today's guest is a total inspiration. And one of the reasons I even started a podcast, just so I could sit down and talk to my own personal heroes. And Lee Asher is definitely that. He started the Asher House Animal Sanctuary with a dream of fulfilling his life's purpose. With nothing more than hope and an RV, he quit his day job in corporate America and set off on a mission to rescue dogs. But his story started way before that. Lee overcame severe learning disabilities, scoliosis, a tumultuous upbringing, and years of being bullied by his peers. He knows better than anyone that sometimes you have to go through some pain to truly appreciate life's happiness. And you do not want to miss a moment of his story. So get the tissues ready and enjoy our encore episode of Lee Asher. Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. My next guest, Lee Asher, is one of the most inspirational people I've ever come across. He founded the Asher House, an animal sanctuary, which on Instagram, over 1 million people are currently following Lee on his journey, rescuing and rehabilitating animals that have been abused and abandoned, giving them a permanent home to live out their lives. Here to tell his story is the one and only Lee Asher. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you deeply for having me. It means a lot. Thank you. So let's start with not who you are now, but how you became who you are. Tell me about your childhood, where you're from, what that was like for you growing up. Wow. Um, I actually grew up in Florida, which I just found out you're, you're there now. So I grew up in Florida. Yeah. Um, like, like many people, which is important to recognize, I had a very unique childhood. Um, I grew up with severe learning disabilities. So in school, I had to be separated from all the cool kids and pretty much everyone who had groups of friends and cliques and athletes. I grew up with severe learning disabilities, ADD and ADHD and all these things. And um, I spent most of my time, the majority of my time, either alone or with animals. I didn't have many friends or many people to go to. Uh, 
for for really anything and i always wanted to fit in i was it's not that i didn't care i wanted to fit in i wanted to be part of a group i wanted friends but i never felt not only welcomed even if i was welcomed i didn't feel comfortable i felt just the most mo the most at peace if i was either alone or with animals and not to fast forward but by learning that, that's kind of how my journey started. You know, I really accepted accepted the fact at a young age that I was different and I stopped trying to fit in, which brought me a lot of happiness by just being comfortable to um, accept the fact that I was very different, mm -hmm. you know? And I started going to animal shelters as often as I could. I, uh, I would even run away from school sometimes there was a there was an animal shelter about a mile down the road from where I where I went to school and I would go there during lunch and breaks I would go there all of the time they would they thought I was luckily I've always been very tall for my age I always looked older so they thought I was you know an adult but I was quite young and I would go and I would just sit with the animals and I used to bring them food from my cafeteria and treats and um yeah it was it was just different you know, I, I can't explain it. You know, I, I look back at my childhood often now, like I always look back at that little boy. And it's interesting that I don't feel I'm much different now. Hmm. Besides, you know, the insecurity aspect, I was, of course, very, very insecure. Um, pretty much throughout my entire, even up until my young adult life, until my mid-20s, very, very insecure, very lost. I never understood what I was doing here. And a lot of the questions I asked myself, as a little boy, as you know, just a kid, I still ask myself today. I just, it, it's interesting. I, I'm doing what I always envisioned I would do, but my mindset isn't much different. Right. So did your parents get you a pet of your own or you had to go and volunteer to go see other animals? You know, it was really sad because I, I had a pet and I became, I, I became allergic to dogs and um, allergic to anything with fur. I had severe allergies. I was always sick as well. And looking back at it, it was definitely because of stress. My parents were always screaming at each other. They were very, very loud and very negative about everything. And it was, uh, you know, they're, they're still alive. So I always feel a little bit of guilt when I talk about it. Hmm. But it was just a really, really just an unfortunate way for a child to view a relationship which really messed me up up until honestly recently you know thinking of what a relationship should look like and sound like and it was just awful so looking back at why i was always sick and i had like severe scoliosis when i would go to school i had to wear this huge back brace so imagine being a kid with learning disabilities with a back brace tall can't defend himself so like i was just this tool to get to get bullied and I finally had a dog and it was like the most amazing thing. And then they took the dog away from me because I became allergic. I was allergic to everything. I mean, you name it. <laughs> and I was allergic to it. Like I remember begging for a rabbit and I couldn't have the rabbit. So eventually by going, as I mentioned earlier, I would go to these animals and I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I kind of feel a little bit guilty because I'm, I'm acting like I had it so terrible, but I, I, everything that I went through without a doubt has shaped me to what I'm able to do now and to have the compassion I have for not just animals, but people. Yeah. So as I talk about my childhood, I, I want you to know that I really don't regret a thing. 
And I also know, um, not regret, I wouldn't change a thing, excuse me, but I also know that my parents, understanding who they are now, really did the, the best that they could at the time. They really were doing their best and in their minds, you know, were the best parents in the world. So I, I just wanted to say that, but um, what, by, by, by ignoring the fact that I was allergic to dogs and going to the animal shelters, I felt, I think that I built a strong enough immune system to where I, I wasn't allergic anymore. And eventually I was able to get a dog, yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I think what you said was so important because so many people look back on their lives and they have a lot of regrets or guilt or shame, or they feel really bad about their childhood and want to change it so much. But I think it's so important for people to realize that that shapes who you are. And unless you have lows or things to, you know, compare to what's good, you don't know the difference. Like there's such a pendulum. You, you have to be able to feel, you know, the negative to be able to feel the positive. And it's such a great thing for people to realize that who you are is shaped by where you came from and you can just learn a bunch of lessons and um, you, sh you, it's okay to, to kind of be in it and know that that's shaped who you are and you're a better person for it instead of wishing it was different. Right. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. I, I, if you could correct me, I forgot what you said, but in order for, can you repeat that one part in order to know oh. how to be so positive? Yeah, I, I see things. I actually have a tattoo down my spine of it that says, uh, without pain, happiness has no meaning. And I believe in yeah. the pendulum. So, so like, you bring up a beautiful point, you know. Um, I have this, you know, I, I go to therapy and, and I, I, I really invest in my mental health. And no one's been a, a, ever been able to help me look at what I'm about to tell you in a positive light up until a couple of days ago. I have a personal trainer. And um, he said to me, he, he was making a joke. He said, you know, my mother-in-law father follows you on Instagram. She asked me if you were single. So I said, he, and he, he asked me, like, if that happens a lot. And, stuff like that. and I said, you know, it's interesting. People get this image of me on social media, but they don't know how toxic it is to date me, mm. how, how, how toxic it is. And he said, what are you, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I, you're the nicest guy I've ever met. I love training you. He, if I had a daughter, you know, he has a son. If I had a daughter, I don't think I could want her to date anyone else but you. Uh -huh. And I said, his name is Rod. I said, Rod, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I could be in the room with someone and I think about something negative and I create like nothing, nothing at all happens. But all of a sudden I become completely cold and shut off. And I said, I could be at a restaurant and I could hear someone speaking badly about someone. And you would think that they were talking to me. I said, I take on everyone's energy and I become this, this toxic person. And of course, since nothing happened, the person in the room thinks that they did something wrong. And the more they push to try to figure out what they did wrong, the more upset and closed off I get. And I said, it's, I said, it's such a terrible trait that, you know, I... I feel so bad for the people in my life. And you know what he said to me? He said, Lee, he said, you're the most giving person. Like he, cause I'm with him two hours every morning. So he hears me on the phone. He, if he needs a favor, you know, I, I, I'm, he hears, he knows me very well. And he said, I'm so glad to hear you say this because I was wondering like, what's, there's gotta be something wrong with him. And he said, but there's nothing wrong with you. He said, I believe in order to be as good as you are, you also have to be bad. Mm. Like you also have to be low. 
And he said, for you to jump really high, what do you have to do? You have to crouch down low to the floor. Mm. And it was such a, such, and you know, he explained it better, but it was such a beautiful way to, for me to view it as if like, may, like, you know, I can go really good, really high, but in order to get really high, you have to go really low sometimes, you yeah. know? And it's, uh, it's true. I believe the most amount of growth is in the struggle. There is no life without pain. Mm. It teaches us the most beautiful things in the world. You know, it like, it, 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 it just, it's when you know how to, when you know that pain is happening for you and not happening to you, which is a really hard thing to understand when you're able to embrace it and know that it's, it's, it's for you. Like this is, I believe my personal belief that anything that happens to us in our life is so that we can make another life better. Mm. I believe that no matter what you go through, it's not for you. It's for you to use that energy, that tool, that wisdom, that experience. It's for you to use that to help another person mm. in some way. And then that person uses that and that person, and that is the gift of life. That is why we are, we all, everyone's looking for their purpose. We all have the same purpose. It's to help each other in some way. Right. We can all help each other in different ways, but that is your purpose. Hmm. It's to help people. We all have it. Our friends from Manscaped want to wish everyone a happy holidays. And ladies, if you've been looking for the perfect gift for your special someone, Look no further. Santa's helpers have been working hard to bring you Manscaped's brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra for the man in your life. Featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Ball Trimmer for the perfect mix of naughty and nice, go to manscaped.com and use code UNDERSTOOD for 20% off plus free shipping. Get like Santa and slay the holidays this year with Manscaped. So... Guys, seriously, I know that it's hard every time you're looking for a gift for a man, whether it's your man, whether it's a man in your family, whether it's a friend. I'm telling you guys, this is the perfect gift. Um, you're you're literally looking at the Manscaped Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. It's the ultimate bundle. It includes the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra and the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Trimmer. They both feature proprietary advanced skin safe technology and are waterproof so he can get ready in the shower, no hair in your drain. It also includes Manscaped's liquid formulations and two free gifts, Manscaped's boxers 2.0 premium underwear and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. If your guy is still wearing his old boxers with holes in them, then Manscaped boxers are the perfect upgrade for you. I'm telling you guys, this is a great gift. And if, uh, you know, you're a man and looking for a gift for yourself, you cannot beat this. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code understood at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code understood gift him manscaped and unwrap your favorite present this year. Guys, are you missing a little excitement in your life, in your everyday life? It doesn't just have to be in the evenings. You can get lost in a fantasy world with hundreds of sexy stories on Dipsy. Dipsy is an app with hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women 
and new content is released every week, so you'll never get bored. They bring immersive soundscapes and realistic characters right to you. You can discover stories about second chance romances, and it misunderstood, we love a second chance, especially when it comes to love. They also have stories about adventurous vacation flings, fantasy series about vampires, Greek gods. There's so much more to explore. They even have soothing sleep stories and wellness sessions. You really have to try this out. So I had never heard of this, but once I found out about Dipsy, I was hooked. Guys, I put on my headphones and I will take it with me to the supermarket. If I'm going on a walk, if I just need some extra excitement in my life, it really keeps you focused. Um, I, I I honestly think it's the sexiest thing I've heard in a long time. So please check it out. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash understood. That's 30 days of full access for free. When you go to dipsystories.com slash understood, you spell that D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash understood. Enjoy. I, I believe that to my core. And, you know, the people, I hear stories of what dogs go through, cats. I hear I hear stories that, you know, really test me. Can, can I believe in people again? Can I trust people again? And it's like, yes, you can, because this is so you can teach, so that you can inspire. This is not for you. For you to, for you to learn this and experience this and cl- be closed off from it is the opposite of what the universe wants you to do with it, you know? Right. So in bringing up that point, you've talked a lot about how you had a fear of death when you were younger and the concept of uncertainty. Um, When did that start for you? And also how did you figure your way out of that? So you changed your mentality on that fear. Wow, you're really good at this, my goodness. Um, I've done a lot of research on you. (laughs) I'll never forget the story. And by the way, I know sometimes I could talk a lot. I'm not as sensitive as I once was. Never hesitate to interrupt me. Okay. Please. I'm not going to interrupt you, but go ahead. I love it. But I don't mind if I'm rambling, you know, but I'll tell you the story. I was sitting on my mom. My parents watched a lot of news. You know, the news was always on, on every TV in the house. The news was on. And I was sitting on my, my mom's bed while she was getting ready for work. And I had just been able to start talking and understanding things. And somebody died. I think it might have been Frank Sinatra, if I am not mistaken. But somebody died. And I asked my mom, how did they die? And she said, whatever she said, they just, they died, right? And I said, how can someone die like that? And she said, a lot of people die that way. And I said, how else do people die? And she said, you name it, you know? And then she said, she's like, Lee, you know that everybody dies, right? And I said, everybody dies? She said, everybody dies. I said, and then what happens? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> and like, when she said that, my world, I remember like feeling nothing but fear. And, and you know, again, she did the best that she could. But in, in that moment, instead of like comforting me and, and letting me know, you know, that it's about the journey and that life, you know, she was like, Grow, grow up, like everybody dies, you know, snap out of it. I'm going to work. It was very cold and quick. And I started just obsessing over the thought, you know, it, it, it brought me such anxiety. I used to just think about it and out loud, I'd say, no, 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 no. Like, don't think about it right now. You know, no, no, no. 
And I realized, you know, like, I, I think I really had that fear up until I kind of found my purpose. That, that, that's really what took it away. It was finding, figuring out why I was here. Because then it doesn't matter to me what happens after you die. It matters to me what happens while I'm alive. Right. You know? Right. That's and, and, and that changed my whole perspective. It's like f f finding the Asher house, creating the community. Um, and also, to be honest, and not the most, this is what I'm about to say isn't very positive or optimistic, but it's the truth. As you get, for me, as, being so invested into animal rescue, you know, you can go to the shelter without really knowing much about animal rescue. You just know about the dog. But with what I do now, finding so much about how cruel people can be, how unfair life can be, I start thinking to myself that death can't be that way. That, that I am more curious, you know, about what would happen. Instead of fearing it, I'm more curious because I don't think anything in the world would be as unfair or, how, or as cruel as how life can be. Now, I also believe that life can be beautiful and peaceful and all this, but I think what I, I now have the belief where my feeling, my answer is not the unknown, that I believe there's a peace to it. And that's why it's so important, you know, to do your best to find that peace here and do your best to make it count. But I don't think that, that it will be that unfair once we're gone, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's so important what you're talking about finding your purpose because so many of us are lost, right? And even if we're chugging oh, yeah. along and doing what we think we're supposed to do and we, you know, find that partner or we have kids or we find a job, sometimes people are still really unhappy and they can't figure out why. And you oh, know, I'm, God, yeah. I'm 48 years old and I'm doing my best to, you know, reinvent my life all the time and figure it out because I've realized that that sense of being unhappy is because I haven't found a purpose. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm constantly mm. trying to figure it out. I think it's the, the first step is for your second act of life kind of, or even getting to that point where you feel like your life has started is finding that purpose. And for a lot of people, it's really hard, but it sounds like for you at some point you were able to figure out your purpose. And um, so I want to get into that because that's where you kind of flourish and become someone new, even though you're talking about being the same person, but it's when it, your life started. Sure. So you quit your job, you traveled in an RV across the country, to rescue animals. And I want to know what that was like. What were you doing as a job to begin with that you quit? Yeah, I was working in a for a finance company where I would go to different sales companies and help them with like motivation and sales strategies to, you know, increase optimization and to to be more motivated, you know, talk to them about energy and health. A lot of what I talk about now but I would do it, you know, for a corporate company and go in there. They, they would call me a uh, corporate trainer, but the truth is, you know, it's, can I curse on here or no? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was bullshit. You know, I didn't know at all how to train a company. I never owned a business. I was just up. I was just a tall guy who looked good in a suit who can, who can reiterate words from other people. You know, it's all about motivate, but I didn't know anything about it. I felt like such a phony. Mm. Because you know, it wasn't from your experience, right? It was no, just exactly. you read and I believed it. It's not that I didn't believe it. I believed, you know, you need to be healthy and you need to work hard and go, 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 all these things. 
But you shouldn't ever speak about something unless you experience it. You should never ask ask somebody how to start a business or how to run a business if he's never or she's never done those things, you know? So I was just a phony. I was so tired of being a phony. I was so tired of being like everybody else. I was so tired of not going, starting my own path, my own way. We, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you were, you, you mentioned death. I thought a lot about death and it's like, what, what's this thought that you're going to live another 10 years? What's this thought that you're going to live another five years? You don't know shit. You don't know, you don't know what the fuck is going to happen tonight. You know, I said, do, do what, what, what do you love to do? Lee Asher? What do you love to do? I said, I love to help people. What else do you love to do? I said, I love to help animals. Fucking go do it. Go, go figure out how to do that. Those are the two things that you don't need to make money from to be happy. Go do that and nothing else. And that became my obsession to figure those things out. How, how do I do that? You know? And the answer was right in front of me because I had, you know, I was at the shelter and I was making videos um, of animals and people loved the videos at the time. And, and, you know, it was getting animals adopted. So I said, I'm doing, why don't I do this? You know, how do I take it to the next level? And the next one, I kept thinking like, okay, this, this I can only take this to here, right? To this level. What, what can I do now to take it to the next one? And that's what I kept focusing on is the next the next level, which I'm sure I could tell you're someone who has really high standards because you talked about your purpose, which I think you do such a good job at this. So you obviously have really high standards. So people with high standards, it's much harder for them to find their purpose, right? Because you'll find your purpose. You say, no, no, it's, that can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be, it has to be this, it has to be that, right? But a lot of times our purpose is just that, is just doing that little bit of good you know, you, you, that, that one person's life that you saved, that, that was it. You continue on that path, not that you retire, but you just keep, but anyways, I, I knew for me, like I had to leave it all behind. Mm -hmm. I, I had to leave it all behind. Right. And so what was that you know, like literally quitting your job, not knowing where your income was going to come from? Uh, and my, how did you do it? Of, I was just thinking about this this morning. I, I seriously, Rachel, I was just thinking about this. I was at the gym and I was, I was having a hard time with my workout. And sometimes when I'm having a hard time, what I do is I think of harder times. Mm. So whenever I'm having a hard time, I think of a time that was harder for me that I got through it. And that always helps me with the hard time, mm. which is a, you know, a, a really good strategy. So I was thinking about the day that I told my mentor, my plan is his name is Al. He lives in Palm Beach. And I, I, this is the only guy who I felt ever thought I'd be successful, right? There was one guy who thought I'd be successful and it was, you know, very successful guy. And I, his word meant everything to me. And I told him my plan and he said, for the first time ever, he called me stupid. Wow. He's like, wow, you're stupid. I said, no, don't say that. I remember he said, you know, I really believed in you, past tense, and now you're doing this. Because the way everyone would explain it, you're quitting, this is what everyone, you're quitting your job to travel with dogs in an RV. And it's like, you could say anything <laughs> with that tone and make it, I said, no, I'm going to visit, I'm going to go to different shelters. I'm going to visit shelters and get animals adopted, and I'm going to be able to teach people 
how to train rescue animals and how to build a bond. And, you know, I'm all, I'm passionate about, and no, and I remember just like, you know, you feel so small, like you feel like, you know, I, I felt like how, like, just like back I did in those classes, you know, you so alone, so misunderstood, like nobody gets it, you know? And it's at that moment that you can decide. That is, that is a pivotal moment for your life, your career, your relationships. It's that moment where you say, okay, here's, here's the decision I have to make. I'm going to, to not, it's not about proving everyone wrong. It's about, am I going to prove to myself that I'm right? Or am I going to prove them that they're right? Right. You should never want to prove to them that they're wrong, right? Because now you have ego involved in your mission. There should never be ego involved in your mission. The battle is always within. Am I going to prove to myself that I'm right? And I was born with all these, you know, dyslexic and ADD and this and all that. Can't do math, can't do this. All, all because I'm supposed to do this with my life. Or am I going to show them that they were right? You see? And, and that was the moment, you know, I said, I'm going to do everything it takes. Like, and that's so as, brave because it's so hard for people because so many people ask outside opinions. Right. And that sways. No, 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 life. no, 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 no. You never today. Uh, somebody asked me my opinion on an invention that they want to create. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, will my opinion make a difference in whether or not you do it or not? And they said, I'm not sure. And I said, first decide if you're going to do it, no matter what, then ask me my opinion. Yeah. Right. That's a great answer. But that's like, such a great lesson that you're giving people on, you, you know, don't be swayed because somebody else is disappointed in your decision, because ultimately right. you will feel disappointed if you don't follow your own path. I mean, that's why so many people are exactly, stuck. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When they say the affirmation, which I love, all you need is within you now, right? That is because it is completely, you are the controller, the, you are all of it, you know, you are everything that, it, that you need to do what you need to do. You are everything that you, you need to be able to pivot, right? There's a different, right? Let's say, for example, it's a basketball player who's obsessed with basketball. I have to play basketball. I have to play basketball. What that person needs to do is realize they don't have to play basketball, but they have to be involved in basketball. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to pivot. It has to, you have to love it so much that you're willing to let the universe eventually tell you, listen, you're, you, you literally don't have legs. You can't play basketball in the NBA, but you can be a hell of a fucking coach. Right. And that's what it's about. It's about not letting people tell you, but you understanding what you're able to do and what you're able to accomplish, but never taking your eyes off the main goal, right? Mm -hmm. It, it ha You have to have your eyes so laser focused on it. And I was lucky, you know, a lot of people tell me this, which they're right. Excuse me while I take my jacket off. A lot of people say it was easier for you to make this decision because you didn't have a wife or children. I, I did have a girlfriend at the time that, you know, I, I, I knew with where my head was at this, my focus was, was going to be my passion, but you know, it, when someone says, yeah, but I have kids, I have this, I have that. At the end of the day, 
these are all the reasons why you should do it. Yeah. Right. You know, when people tell me their reasoning of why they can't get to a certain, a certain point in their life or their career, they're telling me the reasons why they should. They're right. telling me all the reasons why you should, you should be, even if you fail, you're teaching your kids that you went for it no matter what, you right. know, right. we have such a short window, Rachel. Like if you think about it, right. It's not, even if you lived till a hundred years old, even if you lived to a hundred years old, in order to be a healthy operator as a human being, you have to get enough sleep, minimum seven, eight hours, right? You have to exercise minimum an hour. You have to eat right. So you have to plan that accordingly. You have to invest rest. You have to invest your, you know, whether it be meditation or cold or sauna, you have all of these things that you have to do to, to be clear and focused. You have such a short window to do something amazing. Mm. So we should never spend that time with reasons of why we're not doing it. Right. You know? Everything should be to better your life, to better, by, by better, you are an energy, like, like you have no control over that. You are an unstoppable energy. When you move, energy moves with you. You walk into a restaurant, that energy is now formed with all these other energies. You have a responsibility of, as a human being to be an unstoppable force for good, mm -hmm. right? And that's why everyone's so messed up right now, because there's so much negative energy, so many people making bad decisions that you're, you're, you're kind of, people are confused of which, which direction they should go, right. but you need to be laser focused on your mission. You need to be laser focused on your passion. You need to, when, when you're doing that. You're, you, you don't judge others. You don't make fun of others. You don't put negative. You're, you're, you're too busy and you're too focused on being a force for good. Right. That should be everyone's rule, everyone's intention to be a force for good every day, you know? And it sounds like from what you're talking about, you really believe in the power of positivity and manifestation. And I know from doing some, you know, following you that you, when you set out on your journey, you had a vision board for yourself. Do you think yeah. that's important for people? Do you still have one? Do you still go by that mentality? I, 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 I don't have the actual board because in, in my mind, you know, now it's about maintaining, I, I, I accomplished the entire board like literally from A to Z, the board is all checked off, right? So although I still have the board, I don't go to it for vision. I go to it to humble me, mm. right? To, but now it's all about maintaining the board, making sure that the, the visions of the board don't fall off, of course. You know, it's it's hard to get there, but it's harder to maintain, I can tell you that. Right. right. And and I, I think that people should use any sort of positive influence that helps them. I'll tell you what I don't like to see is people who have a vision board because they read it that it's good in a book. You have to have a vision board because you know that this, if you use it as a tool, not as artwork, yeah. right? That's why it's so important not to bullshit yourself because bullshitting yourself is a habit, mm. right? You buy the book that you never read. No, I don't believe, and I say this with absolute respect, you know, I know books change lives and movies change lives and motiva motivational speakers change lives all that shit, but man, you already know it. You already know what to do. You, you just have to apply it and apply it consistently. Right. No one can teach you consistency and no one can teach you discipline. Those are the two things, the two things that are going to get you where you need to go, whether it be uh, physical, you know, weight loss, weight gain, strength, whatever it be, consistency, discipline, whether it be money, 
consistency, discipline, a good relationship, a healthy relationship. You can't not, you can't wake up and stop giving a shit about your relationship one day. You have to consistently, you know, be a good partner, right? Be disciplined, all these things. It's an everyday thing. And once you lack either of those things, you realize you have to accept the fact that your mission is not that important to you. It's more people take on more hobbies than missions, I, I found. So one of the things on your vision board that you were talking about earlier was to go on Ellen and you mm. made that happen or it yeah. happened for you because so many people kept contacting her and saying, Lee Asher should be on your show. Tell yeah, me yeah, about it what it was like to be on Ellen. It was a cool experience. You know, I um, respectful res with respectful to her. I, I don't think I would do it again. Mm. Uh, I never said that before, but I think I did it and I, I don't, I don't see myself doing it again. So she, she's seen as like the queen of mean now for a little bit. Did she treat you like that? Or did you feel honored? No, Aaron? no, she was very nice to me. She was very nice to me. And I, I can't comment on her work environment because, you know, they, from my experience, I, whatever I would have to say would be fabricated. You, they don't give you enough, you know, you're in a room by yourself, you're watching Ellen on the screen. And then they say, okay, now you're on Ellen, you know, so it, what I, I could, I could not comment on that, but. Um, it must've helped you and get, and gave you a lot of visibility now. I, I, I thought it, I thought it was going to be more um, to me, you know, you know, what, you know what the best part about being on Ellen was it said, okay, you see, you could do it. Right. You've made it. It's just something to check off on your list. It's a guide. Yeah, to I never, I, I wouldn't, I never, even today, I, I don't feel like I've made it, which I think because it happened to me later in my career, mm -hmm. you know, success didn't happen to, to me until my thirties. So I never felt like I made, it. I know how hard it is, but when I made it on Ellen, it was like one of the further things down before a sanctuary. It was like the eighth thing on my list to to accomplish. And when I made it, I said, wow, you know, you're about to almost check everything off. You have, you have like two or three more things to check off, which I gave myself like five years to do, which, you know, because of COVID, I did it a lot shorter. Um, but that to me was like, you are on the right path, Lee. Goodness always prevails. You've made mistakes, you know, you have regrets in your business, you know, but you kept doing the right thing. And that, that's something that really the Ellen show taught me. Like I kept doing the right thing and I was able to get on that show. And that was really a beautiful, like stay on this direction type right. of thing. You know what I mean? Right. So talk to us now. So you started in Florida, you get in an RV, you start driving across country. Did you know you were going towards Oregon or did you? No, no I, 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 didn't, I didn't. I started in California. So I, I grew up in Florida, Oh, okay. but. I grew up in Florida, but with that job I told you about, it would require me to live in a different city and state every three to four months. Hmm. So I hadn't been back to Florida in quite some time. And still today, I haven't been back to Florida in years. So I, I, I haven't been back to Florida in a while. And I was living in California at the time. And the reason I decided to do the RV thing is because Instagram Live had just came out. It was brand new. And I was doing a live every, every few days. And everyone was saying, I would love to meet your dogs. Come, you know, if you could, this shelter needs your help. This shelter needs your help. This shelter needs your help. And I thought to myself, how the hell can I 
you know, I want to give the people what they want. I didn't have many followers. I had like maybe 15,000, 20,000, which at the time I thought was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And I, I was doing a lot of my work in my friend's RV and my friend Luke's RV. So I said, as a joke, maybe I could fix this and come meet everybody. And as soon as I said that, I felt like, like this energy to my, like, you know, like you can't, it's just like this sign, this idea, this, this is it. I, all of a sudden I said, what am I, this, wait, 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 on the live. I was like, wait, wait, maybe I could really do this. This is such a good idea. And that's when it started coming together, you know? And I went with my, we got the RV, which was like this beautiful, beautiful experience because I couldn't afford it. So I had a Kickstarter and we raised $40,000 and I bought this RV and I left. And I remember leaving California, um, leaving California. And I remember thinking to my, like, I, it was supposed to be a three month trip. So I didn't think that this was going to be a new start to my career. You know, I thought it was just going to be a step. And I remember looking back in the RV, seeing the dogs behind me. And I said, this is it. This is a, this is not going to be it. This isn't the next step. This is the next chapter. Right. And I ended up traveling around the country with, uh, started with seven dogs, then nine dogs, then 11 dogs. And we went all around. We went every single state, all, even all the way to Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. Yep. And it was such an experience and we got so many dogs adopted and met so many of our followers and fans. And it was just this crazy experience. You know, it, it's living in the RV uh, that, that really founded and built and shaped who I am today. And we started this next chapter of my life because it was living in the RV when COVID happened and I couldn't travel anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I, I was stuck for a moment until I said, no, this is happening for me, not to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I can't travel in an RV, I need to still impact the world. I need to still inspire people and still rescue animals. What can I do? And the idea for the animal shelter was very, very soon after that, that whole thought process. But throughout my travels, Rachel, at one time when I land, I was camping in Oregon in the RV. I was camping in Oregon. And all, it wasn't in the winter, <laughs> it, was, it was in the summer and I was like uh, speechless, you know, I couldn't believe the, the way, th how vibrant everything is, how green, the, the amount of land and trees, I said, I said, the, the coast, uh, have you ever been to the Oregon coast? I have not, no. It's, 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 it's. it's you can't explain it. I mean, the rock formations and, and everything is just like, to me, I said, this is where I want to be. And it, it, the winters are really tough. You know, it's really tough. You have a lot of mud and the dogs are always wet and it's cold and it's windy. But just like you said earlier, you know, if the, the pain is, for happiness to be that beautiful, you have to go through the pain. For, for Oregon to look like the way it looks in the fall, in the summer, it has to go through the, the 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 darker weather. It has to go through these times, and it's worth it because it's to me, it's the most beautiful place. And, and like seriously, like in, in all of the U.S., I think Oregon is the most beautiful. 
we all need to go then. So talk to Absolutely. us about the um, developing, you talked about developing the idea of the Asha House. So you you finally uh, get this sanctuary. How did it become more of um, bringing in animals to take care of them as, and give them their forever home as opposed to creating a, a, a place for you to just have dogs and other animals adopted out? How, how, how did I say, say, say it one more time? So it's more, Asher House is more of a place where animals can come now to live out their life, correct? As opposed to you creating a shelter for dogs to come and get adopted. Yep. And was that because you had more land and you you figured, oh, exactly. I can really take yeah. these in as a thing? There's a couple of reasons. So um, the first thing is the where we live, the county that we live when we bought the sanctuary, we weren't aware of this until after but where we live you're not allowed to adopt animals out from your home oh. you're not allowed to have a rescue from your home so we decided we have an, an amazing partner called new life animal uh, family dog new life we're, we're starting to uh collaborate so the Asher house's name is going to be in there soon we're, we're calling we're going to mesh it together and call it new life Asher house yeah. but for now it's family dog new life animal shelter and amazing shelter in Portland, and they have it, their shelter is set up like a daycare. So there's no kennels, all the dogs are there together. So we have partnered with them. And when we bring in animals that we believe will do well with the family, we bring them that we rehabilitate them there, get them to a certain place, and then uh, family dogs will adopt them out. But a lot of the times we take in dogs uh, and people don't see this part. And they ask, like, please adopt that dog out, adopt that dog out. But they don't realize what that dog would be like outside of the pack. Uh, the, the, the amount of dogs and the type of people that we have here is such a leading environment for most dogs. Like 99.9% .9 of dogs that come here have some sort of trauma, you know, are neglected, starved. So they have so much, so many trust issues that if they're ever put back in a similar environment, right that they were in before it's this awful experience where they it completely reverses everything and they just become a different uh, back to the original type of dog that they were so a great example is we had this dog that you know they warned us would bite would warn us would 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 uh tear tear everything apart this dog was beaten and neglected and completely starved so we don't see those characteristics well, I, when, when we, when I take in a dog for some reason, I have nothing but confidence that this, we can rehabilitate any dog, any living thing. We can take this animal and, and, and show him or her what love is. That's all an animal needs in order for it to not be aggressive or any of these things, right? People act out when they're in pain. Animals act out when they're in pain. So if we feel like an animal would continue acting out outside of the sanctuary, then he or she will stay here so that people can only see the beautiful side of that animal. But if we feel like an animal, man, this dog would really thrive if it just had a mom or if it just had a dad or if it had a family where it didn't have to fight for attention, then we adopt the animal out. And it's something so beautiful because in the beginning, it was very hard for me to let go of an animal because I said to myself, like, they thrive here. I know that they're well taken care of. They get all the love, all the food. 
They get everything they need here. They have the pack. But up until recently, when we exceeded 50 dogs and we started adopting them out through our rescue partners, I, I hear the families, you know, with the dogs and I see the, the dogs look even happier with them than they did with me. And it brings me so much joy because it's really important to believe in people and to see the good in people. And as, as, hard, as, you, as, as hard as it is to hear the terrible stories, it makes the beautiful story so much better. You know, we just adopted out this dog, Moisha, a bloodhound puppy, who's my dream dog. You know, giving, uh, letting this dog go was like, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I realized like everything that I do is not for dog. I'm here to make the dog's life better. And I knew Moisha would thrive better with the family. And that's exactly what he got. And I've never seen a happier dog. Like it, it's, when, it, it's really a beautiful thing, man. It really is. It, there's nothing like seeing dogs get adopted. I mean, it. It. I can. Yeah. I can imagine that it's so hard for you because you spent so much time with them and built a relationship with them and a chemistry. But then there's also nothing like seeing a family that really wants this dog and wants to make them a part of their life. I think that's so great. Um, so, okay, I have a bunch of questions based on yeah. being someone who, like anyone else, watches the Asher House on, on Instagram and just, there are a million questions that go along with watching you and your story. So I'm just gonna sure. fire through a couple of them. Okay, cool. how do you- You want me to answer them quick? You want me to answer them quickly? Sure, yeah. Like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't get it, have to get into long answers. They're short questions. How do you pick okay. deserves to be rescued? It must be so hard. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I, the, the dynamic of the pack has a lot to do with it. Mm. It's, it. So it's really not about the dog we're about to rescue. It's about the dynamic of the pack and what I feel would be in a good addition to the energy of the pack. Right. So for example, if, if I, let's say, which is true, last, last week I rescued a really high anxiety dog, really high anxiety. It, it, if it has anything next to it, it chews it up. It's just always freaking out. Until I release the dog's anxiety, I will not adopt another dog. I will not bring another dog that matches that dog's energy or else they'll feed off each other. You see what I'm saying? Of course. So, it all depends on the dynamic of the pack and where the dogs are. That is how I decide which dog I bring in next. And how does it work with dogs getting along? I mean, I have two right now and uh -huh. I have a little one and I have a big one and I just rescued the big one. And, you know, the big one was clearly abused before we brought it home and had all these issues that we didn't really know about. And then I have my little dog that I've had since almost birth. Right. So they didn't get along so well. Now they do. But how does it work when in a big pack like that? So imagine, and I've never used this analogy, so be kind to me. <laughs> if you wanted to join a gang, right? And maybe there's a better word for it, but let's say there was a gang that you wanted to be a part of, okay? And the gang said, for you to be a part of our gang, you have to be okay with this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. No, no negotiation. That's it. You're, you have to be okay with these five things. Then you enter. You're, you are now a part, you are now doing those five things. Mm. What I mean by that is when a dog comes in, we have a big pack and we operate a certain way. With a dog, right? They are pack animals. So when a dog comes into the pack, it's already set up for them. Mm. 
the rules are at play. How the other dogs are acting and being, that dog realizes this is how I have to act and be. Why is that? Because if this dog comes into a, a gang, if this dog comes into a pack of 50 gang members and he says, I'm the king, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, it's not going to go over very well. They're going to be like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I, I can tell rebellion, you. Right. Yeah. So they get, so it's that, you know, they say we're a product, we're a, we're a product of the people we spend time with, right? So same for animals, the animal, you could have the nicest chihuahua in the world, but if you put that chihuahua with 10 really feisty chihuahuas, that chihuahua is going to end up being an asshole as well. Right. It has, it's about, it's about putting that dog in a better environment. That's why I'm always so confident. Like I just did this rescue video and a lot of people commented because the owner said, please tell me if it doesn't work out. They always like to act like they give a shit. Please tell me if it doesn't work out. I said, trust me, it's going to work out, right? And a lot of people commented, how did you know it was going to work out? You don't even know the dog. I know it's going to work out because that dog is now my dog. Yeah. That dog is coming into my path. And that's how I know it's going to work out. You see what I mean by that? A hundred percent. How do you get these dogs? This question my daughter brought up to me this morning because she loves you also. Um, uh, how do you get the dogs to trust you? Because you're going into an environment, you're seeing a dog who's super scared or abused or hasn't lived with someone because they've lived on the street for a while. How do you get them to actually trust you before you take them to the pack, but trust you personally? Rachel, I got to tell you something, you know, you are really beautiful at asking good questions you know how to ask a question like you you ask the important stuff you can ask a lot of stuff with what i do you ask the good questions and you you're patient with me you're really like a pro i want you to know i really am enjoying really beautiful and tell your daughter tell your daughter that's such a good question right it, it goes back to your previous question of how do all the dogs get along so well mm -hmm. I, I, I know, right, that there isn't a situation that's going to make me feel like this was a mistake. Okay. The dog can feel that from me. Mm -hmm. So the dog doesn't think if I do this, he will hit me. If I do this, he will put me away. If I do this, he's going to get mad. The dog knows this guy has my back. He could feel it with my energy. He can feel it with the way or she, with the way that I pet her, with the way that I hold her close. This, this guy isn't like the others, mm -hmm. right? It's, it is my natural instinct for me as a human to protect people. I'm, I'm a big protector. I always, because I was bullied so bad, I have this natural instinct to protect the weak. So when I bring in a new dog, if you were to visualize it, you, like I take the dog and I'm holding him behind my back so mm -hmm. that he or she can see in front, can see, but I'm, I'm the guardian, I'm the protector. And they can feel that, you know, it's the way that I carry them, the way that I hold them, the way that I don't, I don't hold their stories accountable. Mm -hmm. For example, when I bring in a dog, I treat that dog as if it was born that day. It's a new day. And, and I really believe that they can feel that. I, they, it's just like, 
you know, I think the best thing about dogs is their instincts. Although sometimes, you know, it happens where a dog has bit someone innocent and things like that, but the dog usually, it's all out of fear. Mm -hmm. So I take away all of the fear, you know, I, I, that is my objective. When I meet a dog and say, you're not going to fear me. Right. If that makes sense. hundred percent. And it, and, it, and, it, and it goes with experience, Rachel. Like I don't want people to think to themselves, oh, I wish I didn't. I wish I was like that. It's like you do anything every day for, for, for the amount of time that I do it. It's like you're going to become, you, if you spend every, you, you see these people with lions and you see them wrestling the lions, you know, at the, at the sanctuaries, not the circus bullshit. Uh -huh. But you see these guys at the sanctuaries wrestling lions and hyenas and they're, playing hide and seek it's no different than what i do with dogs it's like these guys live with the lions they sleep with the lions they eat with the lion they are the the lion looks at them as they are a lion they don't look at them as this is a lion the dogs view me as the the pack leader a dog you know i we can communicate without communicating all 90 percent of dogs will communicate non-verbally so you learn that language you learn what they're feeling before they have to express it and it's just this connection, this energetic connection, right. you know? Right. Have there any, any time been, I mean, cause I know even with people and their personality, sometimes you get a bad egg or you're, you know, you, you think one thing about someone and they're either really mentally ill in a different way, right? Has there ever yeah. been a dog that's come in that you haven't been able to rehabilitate that you've had to send elsewhere or that you have to keep away from the pack um, and cannot introduce them at all and they live somewhere else? So I've had dogs, I've had dogs where I'll bring them into the pack and everything is great. Mm -hmm. And and it was going really well. And sorry, my parrot is here behind me. I see, it's so cute. And, and everything was great. And then once they got comfortable in the pack, they said, you know, I think I want to be the pack leader. And the pack isn't okay with that. The pack doesn't want that. Mm -hmm. So I will then have to uh, spend a lot more time next to that dog, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like really close to that dog. You see me when I'm out, I never use a leash and things like that. Mm -hmm. I will start leashing that dog. And that's my way of saying, you're not, you're not the pack leader, right? And then of course, eventually they will, they will, it goes away. So dogs, just like children, will always test you. They'll always see what they can get away with eventually. They'll try new things. And sometimes you just bring them back to day one, hmm. right? But never from the beginning, right off the bat, has there been like, oh, this isn't going to work out, you know? Right. Never. Animal rescue is such a difficult um, job, business. Has there ever been a time that you have wanted to quit since you started on this mission? Every couple, I'm not joking, like every few days. Wow. Yeah, I consider it every few days. And what keeps you going or not, you know, not stepping out of the game? I'm being, because it's a selfish thought. Mm. So if I do that, everything, all the pain, all the tears, all the loss, the death, all the tragedy, the trauma, all the successes, even all of it was, was bullshit if I do that. Mm. It all became selfish. Because I've never, no one ever quits, because no one quits basketball or any sport because it's too hard for a teammate, you know, it's because of them. And if I quit, it's because of how I feel or something happening to me, 
and it's a selfish it's okay to be self it's okay to have selfish thoughts mm-hmm. it's different for the action right mm-hmm. you can't control your thoughts you can co- control your action i often want to quit you know it for what i do at, at this level um it's not the dogs it's the people that make it really tough for me rachel mm-hmm. you know going back to like feeling misunderstood i'll post something and people like completely you know didn't understand what I was trying to say mm-hmm. like you have to almost try to be perfect which you know you're you I, if I keep the animals people say you're hoarding dogs if I get the animals adopted they call me a piece of shit for showing the dog a sanctuary then adopting it out you can't make everybody happy there's a lot of pressure you know um and I, I was going to ask you about it because you must get so many emails, calls, whatever it is about, you have to take this animal. And there's only so many. No exaggeration between two to 300 a day, yeah. two to 300 per day. Right. And you know what some of them say, Rachel, if you don't take this dog, I'm going to euthanize it. Ugh. Wow. That's about 10 to 15 a day. Yeah. Pathetic people, you know, I'm tired of it. Sure. Like, I don't want to, I don't want the emails. I don't want the negativity, like you think you get to a certain place where you don't have to deal with it. And, you know, I I just didn't structure my life that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do people help you? You look like you're doing it all alone from watching your Instagram. It looks like just you. I mean, there's got to be other help there. Yeah. I have help um, Monday through Friday from seven to three. Wow. That doesn't seem like a lot. How are you doing it all on your own? I mean, I have two dogs and it makes me a mess. It's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to get them to be doing things so they're not bored. I mean, I know you have this amazing property to walk them all over the place. Right, yeah, entertaining the dogs isn't isn't the hard part. But yeah, look, like I'm, you know, I have a system down, but it's not, it's not, I, I think I do, a bad job sometimes because I make I think I make it look very easy on social media. I don't really know how to make it look difficult. I'm not one that films something difficult. Like I don't know, do I do people want to see me picking up six pounds of dog shit in my living room? Like I don't know what people you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, a lot of my stuff is is washing the dogs, cleaning up the dogs, feeding the dogs, and it's like mm. it's tough, you know? I, I and I'm now I'm I'm at this stage now. So look, not too long ago, Rachel whenever I left the responsibilities to someone else, something would go wrong. Right. I totally understand that. Yeah. And it really hurt me, like really hurt me because it made me feel a guilty for giving someone else the responsibility and B that I will never have freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So I am now in the process of accepting whatever happens if something goes wrong, I know it's on me and I have to be willing to whether clean up the mess literally or grieve, God forbid. And then I have to make an announcement, you know, to what, 3 million people on Facebook and a million on Instagram and all these other people. It's like, I have to have the weight and the judgment, but you know what? Like you have to let go. Mm-hmm. You, 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 at the end of the day, you realize you can't, I realized like I cannot sustain if I do this myself long-term. I, I look in the mirror and I said, like, I don't recognize the, the face. Like I, 
I have pictures of, of, of like collages of, on my walls um, of when I started the Asher house with certain dogs that have passed away. And it's like, man, you would think that was 20 years ago. You know, it's just a couple of years ago, three years ago. So I, I know that I need to, I need to, um, you know, have some hire, yeah, hire more people and trust people to do this for me. And that's the stage I'm at in my life now is not just from seven to three, but you know, I, I don't have any help on the weekends. It's just me. So I'm, I'm going to start, uh, working, you know, I'm, I'm not started. I've already started working on myself to let go of more and more responsibilities and start focusing on myself more. That's, I think, you know, how we talked about next chapters, this next chapter for me is focusing on the Asher, um, not more than, but just as much as focusing on the Asher house. Right. Um, you were talking about clean, the cleanup. How does it smell in your house over there? Man, you really good. I have these, I, I, the, I have, uh, a lot of help in that department. I have three people that are cleaning the house, um, Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm really big on things being neat and organized. Like I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I don't like, I don't like any spots on the floor spots. People are always asking me how my house is so clean in my videos. Like I like everything done. Like it has to look good. You know, like I, I, I invest a lot of money on keeping my life organized and my house clean. You know, I have two, two people from, you know, I, I have 28 employees, 30 now, actually, we have 30 employees and two of them, all they do all day is clean outside. Like literally from, from the morning to the afternoon, they're cleaning up dog poop and spraying and this. And it's, it's one thing that I make sure, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do it where people think because we have a lot of dogs equals a lot of dog shit. Like, I want us to be pristine, you know, the dogs get, they, all the dogs get groomed every month. Some of them get groomed every weeks. Like I'm really big into keeping their nails trimmed, their ears clean, the fur, you know, brushing. Like we, I run a really tight ship when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. You were talking a little and bit. I think every rescue should. Yeah, it's definitely important. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, no. Um, you were talking a little bit ago about how you think it's really important to balance your life and what you're doing and how you need to maybe focus on you a little bit more. Um, you bring us along on your journey of all these dogs and their story or animals and their stories, but we rarely hear about you unless people are really listening to what you're talking about. Cause normally when you're talking about the dog and their story, you can, as the viewer can really get a lot of insight into you and your head because you really talk more about, you know, a metaphor kind of, at least that's what I've picked up on. And I love that. You're absolutely right. But do you ever get lonely doing this? I really don't. Wow. I, I really don't. You know, lucky enough, I, I grew up alone. You know, I, I even lived alone. My parents moved out when I was 15. So I, I didn't have the childhood where if something was wrong, I go to mom or dad, you know, I went to me and, you know, I went to the beach and I remember looking at the ocean, uh, you know, Spanish river, not too far from you, yeah. Sp yeah. Spanish river beach. So I would go to Spanish river beach. I would a couple of miles and I would run there. And now it's my safe place as well. You know, it's, it's not a good thing. I'm really working on not, not, uh, not isolating myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just my go-to. I, I like to be alone. Um, 
or with the dogs. And I, I, I know what sounds weird. I don't know what that feeling feels like loneliness. Mm. Like my parents feel it a lot. I have a lot of friends who confide in me. A lot of people, you know, really, it's really opened up to me and being lonely is like a big thing. I don't feel it. I've never felt it. Well, that's probably because you're surrounded by so much love and you're so busy giving your exactly exactly it's like you know the dogs are uh the the dogs really take up so much of my time that to me when someone wants to have lunch with me it's it's more of a task sure you know yeah it takes you out of what you love to be doing where you obviously feel your most fulfillment um you're the but one of the one of the cleaning ladies who like she's I'm very close with all my employees and one of the cleaning ladies, like she loves work. Like people really do. I'm not just saying it, you know, people fucking love working here. Like it's a beautiful environment, like a lot of love. The dogs are friendly, you know, it's so one of the cleaning ladies, she also follows me. So she gets really excited to come to work so she could be in the environment. And yesterday she's like, she said, you're always alone. Like you're always, you're always alone. And I said to her, I'm never alone. Yeah. (laughs) So true, though. Um, your animals have such great names. Um, tell people like some of your favorite names and how you come up with names for these dogs. Uh, unfortunately, I can't take all of the credit. You know, uh, I have people like to give me their opinions when it comes to names. Um, but a lot of times what people don't realize is I take the name that they already have mm-hmm. and I just play off of that name so that they can still be somewhat familiar to the syllables in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I had a dog named Sarge that I named Roger, right? Because I felt like it was somewhat, maybe that's not the best example, but Sarge or Raj, like it's in the short and, you know, but I would say the best name is probably, I never had a favorite until recently. And I, I rescued this dog and I, that has, I forgot, I forgot the, so bad at names, but she has her frontal lobe is messed up. Mm-hmm. and um she's very wobbly and she could you know she tries to keep up with the pack and one of my favorite movies growing up was matilda yeah and i named her matilda after after that character because she was so different but so special right and i would say that's my favorite one i love that story of matilda i watched it recently on your instagram um, so i knew you were talking about her because you show the viewer and people that are listening should really go on the asher house um at the asher house on instagram and and yeah. look at the story of matilda in you know as one of many but this story was so inspiring because you yeah. really talk about you you know you show the rescue you show taking her out of the cage or whatever you show her bringing her and introducing her to the pack you show she has such a hard time walking and then you show that transformation of how she looks so happy and so good yeah yeah and you get teary-eyed which made me you know totally start sobbing because you were like listen if you've ever felt misunderstood or like no one loves you and everyone's going to give up on you this is just a pure example of someone who thrives with love and everyone just needs to be loved or stop and think i thought that was such a great message i mean 
almost brings me to tears talking about it because it's so universal and and makes so much sense. I mean, people are so harsh to not realize that you're walking down the street and people are going through so much, even though they look like they're not. And especially with now the social media we have where it's all smoke and mirrors and people can look their best and seem their best in photos inside. They're the ones that put their heads on the pillow and are sometimes going through so much. And I, I think just that story in particular, and I'm sure you have a million more, but was just a huge eye opener of like people need to realize that love can change someone's life and just not giving up on someone who's frustrating you or isn't the same that was the other message you were like if you're not the same embrace that because it's so beautiful as opposed to feeling different and that's I, I it's so complicated to to accept right like it's so complicated to accept but it's just there's no way around it like your differences are what make you beautiful like the things that you want to change about yourself, the things that, you know, maybe you you got bullied about or someone broke up with you over, your uniqueness, you know, it's what makes you so beautiful. I was talking to a friend of mine, this girl, and she's like, I really need a friend to talk to. I, I said, you know, okay, which I really don't, I got to be honest, I, I don't like being that person. I'm, I'm busy enough, but this was a very good friend of mine. And I said, okay, yeah, well, you know, let's talk tonight. And she said, I think my boyfriend is going to break up with me. And I said, what's up? You know, and she said, like, he gets so embarrassed by me. I said, how so? And she said, well, like, an example, we were walking in an sh outdoor shopping mall yesterday, and this girl had these two puppies, and I was, like, playing with them, and they were jumping on me, and I, I was on the floor, and he was so embarrassed that I was on the floor. And I said, break up with this guy immediately. Immediately. I said, I think that that's the best thing about you. That's the best thing about you. You know, it's like, if I said, don't, wouldn't you rather have, instead of changing that about yourself, wouldn't you rather have a boyfriend who would be on the floor with you? Yeah. Right. And she was like, I never, she never looked at it that way. Right. Instead of thinking of what she could add to her life, she was thinking about how to change her life for this guy. Mm -hmm. And she did. She broke up with him. And it's like, you know, we should never change ourselves based off what other people think. You know, it's, it's what makes you different. You know, that's, that's what's so hard is because there would be way more successful people, not just financially, definitely financially, but also, you know, as far as finding your purpose and all these things, if we didn't let the world or people shape you, mm -hmm. if you accepted that you were different, loved that you were different, embraced that you were different, and then acted on your differences, that's your ticket to success. And again, I don't mean that financially, I mean success in every way, love, relationship, you, you name it, you know. Um, you do such a good job of um, showing these stories in your content and um, these heartwarming star stories. And most people are sharing in tears of joy with you as they watch these stories happen. But there are times when um, obviously the the animal is at the end of their life or sick and does need to be put to sleep. And we go on that journey with you as well. And we're sharing in those tears with you as you have to say goodbye to animals. What's that like for you having to do that? so often 
Which part, dealing with it or sharing it or both? Um, well, first of all, the dealing with it. I mean, the sharing with it, I'm assuming it helps you get through it so you're not doing it by yourself almost. But I, I, I and we can talk about that, but um, what's that like to have to care for these animals and then put them to sleep? I mean, I know watching pom-poms, let's say, um, yeah, be yeah. put to sleep. And every time they leave you, it must be so difficult. You know, now... I know this sounds really weird, so let me know if I explain this the right way, please. Now, I'm so grateful that they're able to leave with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to have this, like, I, I used to, I used to be by the animal crying, you know, saying I'm sorry, and I'm I used to tell the animal what I wish I could have done differently. I'd tell, tell the animal I wish I had more time and I would cry. And I regret every time I did that. Because the animal just felt this pain from me. Yeah. I wish I did. I wish I did what I do now where I tell the animal everything I love about her. And I tell, tell him how amazing, just how amazing of a dog they are to me and how grateful. I mean, I, I, I kiss them with, with a smile because I know, you know, I know that like they will feel this positive. This is a, a good feeling. It will be a beautiful passage. And by doing this, it, it's much more peaceful for me. You know, once the animal is gone, I am bawling and crying. But during our last few moments together, it is nothing but joy. And it's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of the life that this animal gave to me and the celebration of life that this animal has given to everyone, including the pack. And it should, it's, I know it's hard, but for anyone listening, when you say goodbye to your loved ones, do it with a beautiful sense of passion and love and not sadness or regret. Make sure to only grieve once they're gone. Don't grieve for a second that they're here. And when you do grieve while they're here, don't let them see it. Yeah. Because they don't know, they don't know what you're doing. They just said that this doesn't feel good. I sometimes reflect back on the times where I was so emotional you know, saying goodbye. And I, boy, oh boy, do I regret those moments so much in my life. Yeah. You know, I, di I didn't know any better, but I, it's, it's really hard for me, but you know, at this stage with how many animals we rescue, I do realize like, look, you know, you have 50 dogs, dogs are going to die. Yeah. You know, dogs are going to get sick. Dogs are going to get hurt. Accidents are going to happen. You have 50 dogs and you just have to, you just have to accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, de de death is as equal of a, a, an importance to life as life itself, you know, so. That's right. And I think for yeah. a lot of people yeah. listening who've either gone through losing a pet or are dealing with making that decision on when to put a pet to sleep, know that, I mean, losing a pet is like worse than having a broken leg. I mean, it is so painful. And I've lost uh, a few pets in my life and it just, I couldn't get out of bed sometimes for a week because it yeah. devastated me so much. Um, 
and it's also hard, you know, sometimes you lose a pet early on in their life and that's really hard because you feel like they haven't, you know, had this big life. And then you also can lose a pet after having it for 20 years. And that's just as devastating because you've spent all this time with this one animal that's been in your life. And if I can just indulge you for one second, uh, one story of my animal, I, um, when I was about 26, I, um, I was uh, dating a man and uh, his name was Andy and he forbid, we lived together and he forbid me to get a dog. So of course, on my way home every day, I would pass this dog store and this was in Manhattan. And um, I would, you know, look at the dogs in the window. And um, finally, one day I came home with a dog and Andy was like, are you crazy? I forbid you to get a dog. What are you doing? And I said, let's Uh just try this for a week and see how it goes. And if you hate it, I'll bring it back. Um, so, you know, I have all these pictures of Andy, you know, hugging the dog was a tiny little, uh, Jack Russell Terrier. We named it Mickey for Mickey blue. Oh, that's a great name. Blue eyes. And so I have all these pictures of Andy hugging the dog when he thought I wasn't looking like he would sleep and the dog would be, you know, next to him or whatever and running around with the dog and whatever. So fast forward about three weeks later, we were getting ready to go to Greece and, um, Andy proposed to me and I felt like this was this great family that we were going to have now this dog and he loved the dog and let me keep the dog. And out of nowhere, um, the dog developed seizures one day and it ended up, we found out it had distemper. It came from a dog store here in Manhattan. No, yeah, which is, a, which is a horrible thing. You know, people really well, should be getting it, it, animals from, from pet stores. It, it, it will kill your dog. Oh, yeah. my. How, and how long so have you had the dog? I had the dog for a month and um, oh, so God. we had to go and put the dog to sleep and I was sobbing and <laughs> Andy came, you know, and met me from work. He worked on Wall Street and came and met me. Uh, he left his job early and I I was just sobbing and he's like, Rachel, you have to realize that everything happens for a reason. And I said, what, how could you give me that metaphor now? Nothing happens for a reason. We've had this dog for a month. It didn't get to have a life. And he sat me down and he said, Rachel, you have to understand you loved that dog more than anyone in the world could have. And it thought that right. it was its mom and we loved right. the dog so much. It didn't know that it maybe was supposed to live till it was 15. It lived right. life. And you should really embrace the fact that it was loved so much while you had it. And you were there for the minute that it, you, you know, it died. So I thought, okay, well, whatever, I'll figure out at one point what, how this is going to, you know, come to pass that I feel like it was meant to be. So anyways, um, about a week later, so Andy and I went to Greece, we were leaving three days later, we went to Greece, we came back. And a day after Andy and I got back from Greece, uh, Andy was killed in the World Trade Center. Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, sorry. And so I, I went back and I got um, I didn't know what to do. And oh so, so I went back to that pet store. Um, that happened on a Tuesday. On Thursday, I went to the pet store and I said, my dog died. My fiance was killed by terrorists. I need a dog. So they get, let me pick out any dog I wanted. And there was a, a, um, a Brussels griffin sitting in a cage. Yeah. His eyes okay. were like looking in different directions and he was all furry and weird looking. But he just, when I walked back and forth, he stared at me every time I walked back. And I said, that's my dog. I want that dog. And I named that dog Rudy Giuliani. And um, because Rudy was such a hero then. And I had the dog for 20 years. And through the 20 years that I had that dog, he was the constant man in my life, so to speak. He got me through everything. And I love that dog. But to spool back for one second, a year later, you know, it was kind of easy to go through that trauma, not easy, but easier to go through that trauma because I went through it so publicly. And my 
picture was on a cover of every newspaper um, in the world because I have a famous photo of me looking for Andy kind of in the uh, in the rubble or whatever. And um, people would check in with me and I had people at my home for weeks and, you know, but eventually that goes away. People's, people go back to their lives and I was alone with my thoughts and, and alone for the first time. So a year after September 11th happened, I had to take a leave of absence. I had a really hard time dealing with it. Um, and I went away to kind of a sanctuary in um, Brazil to do like a hiking trip for two weeks by myself with this group. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I had this dream and I sat up and I said to my roommate, oh my God, I know why Mickey died. And she's like, who the hell's Mickey? What are we talking about? And I said, Mickey died so Andy could be the one to teach me the lesson that he wasn't supposed to live till he was maybe 80 or 90, that he lived the life he was supposed to live. And I shouldn't grieve and be so upset and not be able to get through life thinking like every time I'm in a cab, oh, Andy should have been sitting here. We were supposed to get married on this date or I'm supposed to have him as my husband and I lost out. Mickey died so Andy could teach me the lesson that when someone dies, that's their time. And that as long as you loved them and felt loved by them, that you know, that was their life. And so at that moment, I was like, I know my purpose of why Mickey died. So Andy could teach me that story so that I could get over Andy easier. Anyway, so the point is, is that dogs share such a big story and their death can actually mean something if you look for the meaning. And it might take you a long time and it hurts so bad when they go, but it's, you know, there is a meaning behind each thing. I truly. You're so, you're so, so beautiful. My God. Thanks. Um, well, that is, I mean, th- thank you so much for sharing that with me. I, yeah. I, I and, and Rudy, Rudy lived for 20 years and he was just the best and putting him yeah. to sleep was also very hard, but I knew, you know, at that moment that it was right. And I did, I'm glad you're telling me what the best way to do it is because I sat there and I was brave and I kind of, you know, held on to him until the end. And then when he was put to sleep, then I lost it. But I, you know, I'm glad I had that that lifetime with him, you know, and I've, it's been hard for me not to have a dog in my life. You know, I said, I would never get one again, but I had to go get another and another, you know, so I think, yeah. So talk about the difference really quickly, um, about why people should adopt from a shelter. Um, because I think so many people make the mistake of thinking they have to get a dog, a purebred from a breeder or from a pet store because they're so beautiful in the window. Yeah. First of all, I mean, it's hard for me to just give over. I, I just want to say, like, not, you know, I think the point, you you have proven the point of why people go through hard times. You have proven why people have. And many people use their experiences for reasons of being um, maybe not the best of, of people, right? Either being very negative or, or cruel or things like that. So for you to use your experience in such a beautiful way, and have such a, a meaningful and life-changing message to even myself. I mean, I, I am now going to, you know, adopt that belief as well, which I appreciate. And uh, boy, that, thank, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Seriously, that, that, that is incredible. I, I did not see that story going that way. I was, I mean, I can't believe what I just heard. So thank you so much for, for being vulnerable with me. I really appreciate it. Of course, thank you. Um, now, this, when I started the Asher House, it was my following that inspired the Asher House, not so much me, that inspired the mission, I should say. I, so many people were asking me about my dogs, uh, 
Lily, a St. Bernard, um, Stella, who passed away, he was this beautiful pit bull. She, she looked like she was $500,000, you know? And Lily had been at the shelter for a month. Uh, Stella had been at the shelter for nearly four months. Um, all of my different dogs with these different stories, people are trying to buy them from me on social media thinking, so I, it hit me that people have, don't go to animal shelters. People are too afraid to go to animal shelters. And I would have these conversations on my lives. And they basically, because of all the commercials you see on TV, you know, where it's really sick dog, really scared dog, a dog with one eye, you know, begging for a, a donation. The, the shelters don't show that, you know, the shelters aren't showing 99% of the, the dogs. They're only showing that one, that one section of the shelter that you're, that you're not even allowed to go into. You know, so I was like, you guys are afraid to go and shop. What do you think is in shelters? And they said either really sick dog or really mean pit bulls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no way, dude. So I, I made it my mission to show people the dogs that are inside shelters. And still today on purpose, I like I just rescued this. I mean, in my opinion, uh, the Akita to me, as far as looks go, the Akita is the most beautiful dog in the world. Like it is just uh, an exquisite animal. And I've never had one because I you know, wanted to rescue one. And just at, at the shelter that I go to all the time, they had this, um, you know, she had, a, she had a broken hip. She was hit by a car, but they're, now she's fine in this beautiful Akita. And I can tell you, you know, A, if you want a purebred, I just want you to know something. The, that dog most likely doesn't matter where you go most likely that dog and i'm sorry to say this i'm just going to be really blunt here okay yeah. is going to not have a long life it's most likely going to have a shorter lifespan than a mixed breed why is that because pure, most purebred dogs are inbreded there's very there are no no matter what laws you hear of the the animal like laws welfare you know it's not very strict that's why we're always getting these neglected animals that animal care won't do anything about because they can't do anything about it dogs are just property Mm. unfortunately it's just property so when people don't care about their property they don't care what happens to the property as long as it's making them money Mm. and you should not it's 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 like it's terrible because they're forcing their dogs to basically have sex and get get pregnant as many times as they can Mm -hmm. until they're done with that dog you shouldn't be supporting that in the first place but if that doesn't bother you if that's not a reason then for your own financial purposes of spending that kind of money on a dog the health risks that are going to come with that are extreme there's Mm -hmm. just a long list of things and it's it's as far as the smart thing to do, it's not even about just the, the conscious, good, compassion act of rescuing. It's literally the smart thing to do. Like it's better for the dog, but it's also better for you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to save you time in the vet's office and many other things. And I just encourage people, you know, if you can't decide whether or not you should adopt or go to a breeder, I ask you to just for a month, it doesn't have to be just once, for a month, Every week, you know, go to two different shelters. Go to two shelters a week for a month. And if there's only three of them in your area, go to the same ones for that month. 
And if you don't fall in love with the dog in the next month, and if, and if you're not in a rush, please extend it to two months. Mm. And if you're not in a rush, extend it to three. But if you're like, I want a dog in the next three weeks, or I want a dog in the next six months, then I want you to just continue visiting your shelter. And I can guarantee you, you're going to find a dog to rescue. You're going to fall in love. You're going to have that. You're going to, you're just going to know, and you're going to find your soulmate. You're going to find your dog, but you have to try you know, it's very easy to go to a breeder's website, see all the cute puppies, pick one, mm. and then, you know, you're set. I always encourage people, get the dog that you want. Don't let the rescue world bully you into any sort of breed, into any sort of dog. No one's trying to bully you here. I just ask you, not tell, I ask you to please visit a shelter a few times a month or a few times a week, whatever you have time. And I think that you'll find your dog there. That's such great advice. And also people have to realize that, you know, it's a lifelong commitment. So it, you should take some time to really um, do Thank the you for research that. Yes. and get involved because so many people are just, you know, their kid says, oh, I want a puppy and they see a cute puppy and they want it. And then, you know, it, it becomes something that's like a doll to them and they put yeah. it on the side when they find a better toy, you know? And, and one thing, if I can please add, you know, if you are breed specific, which means if let's say you're set on having a golden retriever or you're set on having an Akita or whatever type of dog, there isn't a breed out there that doesn't have a specific rescue group. Hmm. Every breed has a rescue group. So if you're not in a rush, which you just mentioned, you shouldn't be when you're getting an animal, get in touch with a rescue there's a, a variety of them. You can have three rescues that you build a relationship with and, and, and have them, it's their job, have them help you find this dog that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, but be willing to get a dog. Let's say you want an eight week old puppy. It's not going to happen, you know, but you don't really want an eight week old puppy. I mean, there's nothing harder to take care of than a puppy. So if you want a puppy, be willing to get a five month old or a six month old dog, which is a great age for you. That way you can really already see the behavior, you know, of the dog and, and take your time and go to a rescue and have them help you get the dog that you want. Right, right. Um, a lot of these dogs have inspired creations for you. I think it was Lily, I'm not sure if I'm right, has helped you create your CBD line. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Just tell you, us you about mentioned, Well, you, like you mentioned, which I'm sorry to bring up, but you mentioned distemper. Luckily, it wasn't distemper, but Lily, you know, the fourth day after adopting Lily, we, I realized that she had these awful seizures and they were just getting worse. At the time, I, I was very new to actually rescuing animals, you know, so I, I was pretty nervous. Um, it really freaked me out. Witnessing a seizure is like a scary thing. Now I've witnessed many, but I was trying all these different things. She, like, I was spending a lot of money that I really couldn't afford. It, it was for the first time where I didn't know what to do where you know the doctors had recommend putting her down um and somebody recommended cbd to me and you know cbd sometimes can take a week or two to work but with lily it worked right away and cbd was something that i was taking for my back pain i didn't know we could give it to the dogs this is six six seven years ago so it wasn't as popular and she hasn't had a seizure since so it was something that i became very passionate about I believed in it because it worked for my own dog. You know, we talked about earlier about um, don't don't talk about experiences unless you experience them, right? So this was for me an experience for me that changed my dog's life. 
and I, I just wanted to share it with the world. So I, I bought that same CBD line and created it and started my own. That's amazing. All right, last couple questions here. Um, the Asher House kind of started as a short-term dream, maybe going on a, a drive for three months or whatever, but now it's turned into your career. How do you fund all of this and how can people help get involved and donate? Or So um, 100%, the only way, because there's a lot of scammers out there, so thank you for asking, is the only way to donate to the Asher House is on our website. There is no other place to donate. And everything on the asherhouse.com is 100% nonprofit, all of it. It's 100% nonprofit. So if you go to theasherhouse.com, all of the merchandise is nonprofit. And of course, if you click donate, there is a monthly option as well. And that's all nonprofit too. And is there a goal that you have every year? Like how much does it cost you a year to keep this up and running or a month? Um, for the for animal sanctuary alone and the dogs, it's about, I would say, around seven to eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Our bills are. Wow. So it's it's not cheap, but you know, it's not just dogs. That let's not forget. It's it's, it's that much because we have horses, right? Donkeys, goats, alpacas, llamas, birds. We like we see babies. your parrot behind you. We have, we, we have parrots. We have a lot of different dogs, uh, a lot of different animals, and we have six, seven cats now. We're about to be nine cats. So, you know, you think about how much the average dog costs a month, you multiply that by 50 as well with the space and it's, it's literally a fortune. <laughs> right. Yeah, literally. So, and I'm sure any donation helps, like, you know, people should go on the website. It's the asherhouse.com. Yeah, the asherhouse.com. Even, you know, guys, like when, it, when it's that many people, what people don't realize, even in a dollar, you know, yeah. it's like you do what you can and. And what I will say, if it's not to our shelter, uh, to, excuse me, to our sanctuary, uh, please donate to your local shelter. Please donate to your local rescue. If, if you are passionate about an animal shelter, although I really appreciate, Rachel, you talking about my foundation and my organization, um, giving is a habit. So if this is not a habit for you and you're about to give one time and your only time, then I'd rather you give it to your local shelter. But if you are looking into making giving a habit, whether it be a dollar a month or five dollars a month, then my organization would be very grateful to be a part of that giving. Um, just out of curiosity, because you talked about your former boss, I think you said his name was Al, um, who was disappointed in you. Do you still talk to him now? What does he think of you? Oh, my God. What a you? <laughs> You're so funny. Uh, I love him so much. He loves me so much. He's he is a better mentor to me now than than before you know we have a different sort of relationship now where it's not just me asking for advice it's now a friendship mm -hmm. and um i have to tell you i don't have many people in my life but i have him in my life and he has me and i love that guy you know i love him so much like i really i love him you know and i have to tell you something he never does anything without reason mm -hmm. like he does everything for a reason and i never asked him this because i don't want to bring it up but i wouldn't be surprised if he did it on purpose mm -hmm. to, to you know i think he may have told me that to really light the fire under my ass because i really needed it at the time and i think that he taught me no one needs to believe in you if you believe in yourself yeah 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure he does not think you're stupid anymore and thinks your decision no. was the best one for you and for so many other people and animals. Um, Most definitely. The last question I have for you is what is left on your bucket list that still needs to be done? I know you said your vision board was accomplished, but is there something you're looking forward to and hope to achieve? Yeah, I haven't announced it. So this is my first time announcing it. So you're the first to hear it. Um, we're opening up an animal shelter. Wow. And we're going to have, we're, you know, it's going to be very similar to the layout. We'll be able to go there and volunteer and adopt a dog and adopt a cat. And um, it's going to be really something special. So that, that's the next step is opening up this animal shelter. And when is that going to happen? Um, if I had to guess, I think it'll be open and running this time next year. That's, that's would be my estimate. Okay. Amazing. So I'm sure we will all look out for that information. Um, so people can get involved. Um, all right. So tell people where they can find you, where they can again, donate and how people can find you on Instagram and on YouTube. Yeah. You do a lot of yeah, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, it's, a, uh, the Asher house and there's no other, uh, way to get a hold. There's a lot of fake Asher House accounts. I, I hate to say it, but um, there's a lot of, you know, fake accounts that ask people for money. I don't answer direct messages. I don't speak to pretty much anyone. I, I don't have the time. Um, so, you know, if you're ever speaking to me, it's, uh, it's, it's most, it's not, it's not accurate. So please be careful. That's the first thing I want to say, but um, all the ways to contact us, to contact our organization, um, or anything like that to donate. It, all the information is on theasherhouse.com. And I think you also have nine puppies, I think you said, that are coming in that you're going to need to adopt? Yep, yep. So next Sunday, um, uh, we have six German Shepherd Golden Retrievers coming in, two Akita Husky Mixes, and a Doberman. So we'll have to bring them in. They're coming from Texas, which Texas needs a lot of help when it comes to animals. Um, but we'll be rehabilitating them and then they'll be, they'll be available for adoption at our partner rescue, which is family dogs, new life animal shelter. Okay. And do they have an Instagram so people can follow that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Family dog, new life animal shelter as well. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I cannot wait to see where all of this takes you. And uh, I can't wait to meet you in person one day. And as I said to you before we started, I feel, feel like part of my purpose that I found is to tell other people's stories. It makes me feel good, makes me feel great getting to meet them and, and asking the questions that I wanna know and I think other people would wanna know too. And you literally, I feel like is one of the reasons I started this podcast so I can meet you, hear your story and make sure that people hear your story because I think it's so inspirational for everybody. I, I got to tell you, I, I, your viewers, I'm sure already know it, but I've done a lot of these and you are the fucking best. Like, <laughs> you are so good and so genuine and just pure and beautiful. Uh, it, it's not my place to say, since you kind of invited me, if you will, to give my opinion, I not agree with you more. I, I think that that is a beautiful purpose to help people tell their stories. Stories are what inspires people and connects people and makes people feel like they can relate. And I personally have never had someone do it better than you. So I really, really appreciate the opportunity and I look forward to doing it again with you if you'll have me. 
Thank you. I would love to have you again. And I think for anyone that feels misunderstood, they should definitely hop on to the Asher House um, and really watch what goes on with these animals because you will find some insight into your own life. And I think it's just so, you know, it, it's gotten me through times and I'm sure it'll get other people through times as well. Answer a lot of questions internally for themselves. And, and I just want to remind people, I promise you, I don't even know you, I promise you this, the more misunderstood you feel, the more special you are, but you have to use it for a force for good. Just remember that if, if it's not a force for good, it's not your purpose. You're a force for good, a force for beauty. And um, I, I, I really wish how powerful people knew that you were, you know, like you, you really are here for a reason and you could, there's no time limit. You, you could spend your whole life trying to figure that out as long as you're doing goodness. Just, just keep doing good stuff and it's going to happen. I promise. Goodness always prevails. Uh, someone who's like a mother to me, Rebecca, who you spoke to, she always says that goodness always prevails and she's so right. Do the right thing. Do good. Do a good job. Do the best that you can. And it's all going to work out. And when it's not working out, it's, it's for a reason. It's because that's not right for you yet. And just keep going. I promise. Thank you so much. What I mean, what an amazing message. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.